welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Kim Peek. I am your hostess for Power Up Your Performance, and I am so excited that you are here with me today. It is a beautiful fall day in Kansas City. The sun is shining for a change, which is nice. We've had a long streak of rain, and I really don't like it when it's dark and cloudy. So there's just to me something so exciting, something so powerful about this time of year. I know not everyone gets to see the seasons change like we do here in the Midwest, but October in Kansas is always a reminder to me to take time to slow down and reflect and pay attention to what is going on around me. Years ago, when my kids were just little, I was still working full-time at a job that I loved in marketing, but I was so stressed out with little kids and a full-time job and a husband who traveled. And if I'm being honest, I probably also, besides just being a stressed out mom of little kids, also had maybe a little bit of depression. I've since learned that there is a name for what I was feeling, what I do feel, when we get to this time of year and days get darker and colder. And for me, I just feel so drained and really would rather just spend my day under the covers watching Netflix. There is a name for that, and it's called seasonal affective disorder, or you might have seen it called SAD, S-A-D, the initials, um, or just called the winter blues. But have you ever just noticed that pattern that you start to feel more depressed or lower energy when the colder months of the year hit, it's possible that you too are affected by seasonal affective disorder. And it's not something that you need to live with alone. There's lots of things you can try to boost your mood, especially when you're aware of the fact that the dark, cold, cloudy days affect your mood. You can try things like light therapy. There's these great little lights that you can buy on Amazon and you can just spend some time, put it right by where you get ready in the morning or where you eat your breakfast in the morning or maybe set it up near your computer and light therapy can help elevate your mood if that's something that you're interested in trying. Regular exercise can also help boost your energy, boost your mood when you are feeling these seasonal blues. You can also possibly supplement with vitamin D, but remember that you should also talk to your doctor if you're going to take any supplements or try anything like that. And they can also recommend additional treatments, like maybe even short-term use of a medication or a low dose of an antidepressant. Only you know how bad your winter blues get and if this is disrupting your life. According to the Mayo Clinic, there are some signs and symptoms of seasonal affective disorder. And those are things like I've already mentioned, maybe feeling depressed most of the day or part of the day, losing interest in things that you used to like to. Maybe it's just overall low energy, having problems sleeping, experiencing changes in your appetite or weight, feeling sluggish or agitated, or just having difficulty concentrating. Again, these are just some of the ways that may affect you, but if you just notice that you're overall low energy and 
not as motivated, you might be able to just try some simple things to elevate your mood. Anyway, so that was just a little backstory on what seasonal affective disorder is. So back to my original story, because I was feeling this way, it really struck me that year when I realized that the trees had completely changed colors and I had missed out, had missed, I mean, plain flat out, not even noticed the beautiful changes in the leaves as they turned all those beautiful bright oranges and reds before they ended up being a crunchy brown mess in people's yards and on the sidewalk. And it made me sad. It made me, it made me think and make a point to tell myself that I didn't want that to happen again. I didn't want a whole season, all the, the season to change and another season to go by without me taking note. So every year at this time, I now make a point to notice, make sure I pause and think and reflect and notice the leaves and the beauty around me during the month, especially here at least, it happens usually in October where we get all those beautiful leaves. And I think it's so sad to realize that I was so stressed trying to get all the things done that have to get done that I didn't even notice all the beauty that was around me. And I do feel really lucky to live where I am We have these beautiful trails where I can run and take in just all that beauty. So on Saturday, when I was feeling overwhelmed because I have a million zillion things I have to get done in the next two weeks, I really was not up for running. I didn't want to take the time to run, but I also knew that running would be good for me and that it would make me feel better to smell that fall air, to look at the trees changing colors. We have this great creek that our trail system follows and just the sound of that trickling water, I just always think is so relaxing. You know, running, listening to the squirrels as they scurry through the leaves or climb up a tree or just all of the different things that you can notice. I also, um, side story, have noticed how beautiful the skies have been in the morning. We've had these beautiful pink skies, especially in the morning but also sometimes now at night when the sun is setting. And I just think it's so important to not miss all of that beauty around us and to use, maybe even use when you notice those things, use it as a signal to yourself to take a few breaths, to clear your mind of the stress that's going on and just notice, notice what's going on around you. Anyway, so I put my shoes on on Saturday And I committed to this short loop around the neighborhood. And I also told myself that if I didn't feel like running the long loop or if I wanted to walk, I could. And I gave myself permission to change the rules as I was going. Because remember, I didn't feel like running. I didn't want to get out of the house, but I knew it was going to be good for me. So when I get in those situations, I usually just tell myself, okay, Kim, first step, put your shoes on. Next step get out the door, get started. And I tell myself that I can quit and turn around and come back at any time. But I do this because I know that once I get started, because it is good for me and it makes me feel better, that I'll stick with it. And of course, this was not any different on Saturday. Once I got moving, I was so thankful that I got outside 
And of course, as you probably could predict, I extended my route to get in a little bit more fun because I actually was enjoying myself and I was enjoying being outside the fact that I am able to get outside and move and enjoy the sunshine. And because I'm already feeling like I'm in my winter funk, as I said at the top of the show, we've had a pretty long stretch where it's rained constantly and the sun didn't shine at all. I I seriously, I don't know how those of you who live in dark and cloudy and rainy places do it. But because I'm already feeling blah, I've been having trouble getting myself moving some days. So I've started using this thing that I call my one minute rule, which I've been calling the power of one minute. And it's just this little idea that when something needs to get got, when something needs to get done, I tell myself, I've been making a deal with myself. Okay, go do it for one minute. And if you don't like it after one minute, you can stop. And it is totally working. It is getting me out the door to work out when I'm not feeling like it. It's getting me to fold socks. And I hate folding socks. It's getting me to fold socks and to do the dishes and just all those things that you're like, oh, I'd rather Netflix. I'd rather binge watch my new series I'm hooked on. And so it gets me out of that place in my head and gets me moving. And I kind of alluded to this last week and last week, last week's episode about that 20 minutes of insane courage, the quote that I took from We Bought a Zoo, just thinking about what you can, how you can put yourself out of your comfort zone to do something and challenge yourself. But I think it also works in this instant you can use that one-minute concept to get yourself to do a lot of different things. Maybe you don't like to exercise, so you set a goal of moving for one minute an hour or one minute when you first wake up. Would that give you the motivation to exercise if you just knew that you didn't have to wake up an hour early, but you just had to wake up one minute earlier so that you could get in some squats or a plank before you brushed your teeth? Maybe you don't like folding socks, and so like me, you have this mountain of socks that needs to be folded, or you hate bills or doing other paperwork, or after the weekend, your house looks like a bunch of frat boys took up residence, and you have cans and glasses and takeout wrappers all over the place. Set your timer for one minute and get busy taking care of whatever that task is that you've been putting off. Maybe even... It's you're a salesperson. You don't like to pick up the fear or you have this fear of picking up the phone and calling people. Set a timer and say, for one minute, I'm going to dial numbers until I am able to get a hold of a person or leave a voice message. Whatever it is, set your timer and get busy. You can also use that one minute concept another way by creating a list of things you want to get done in that vague zone that we put things off for when we have time. So you could keep a list on your phone so you have access to it. Because I'm always like, oh, I have a minute. I have five minutes. What is it I needed to get done? And then you waste all that time. So keep the list on your phone so you have access to it at any point. And then when you're on hold or sitting in a waiting room at the doctor's office, or you have a random moment where you would typically pull out your phone, phone to beat boredom, Refer to that list and get busy with some productive things you can do anywhere. And while I'm talking about your phone, although we think it is relaxing to pull out our phones and play a game or scroll through Facebook or Instagram, it can seriously affect our mood. It can cause us to compare our lives to someone else's seemingly picture-perfect life 
And remember that quote about the highlight reel. What you think is somebody else's life is often their highlight reel. You cannot look at people's Instagram profiles, Instagram accounts, and think that everything they're posting on social media is exactly how their picture-perfect life is. We all have real life. Anyway, so we might get all riled up because of somebody's perfect life, or maybe it's that political post we don't agree with, or that rant that our aunt went off on about the family drama that took place at Thanksgiving dinner last year. All of these things take our focus off of what is happening right here, right now, and it distracts us and affects our ability to do deep work. And deep work is defined as that work that requires concentration, but also gives us a tremendous sense of self-satisfaction. There's this guy whose name is Cal Newport, and he wrote a book called Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. And I have not read this book, but what I've read about it, I think it's one I'm going to pick up. He says that the majority of us struggle to fight off the busyness that comes with technology, connectivity, and our need to have it all. Those tasks that don't require full concentration, he labels as shallow work. And he says that these can quickly fill up our schedules and sideline us from tapping into the depth of our potential. And that makes so much sense, doesn't it? We get distracted with all of this stuff on social media. We spend our energy on things that aren't really important. And it's taking us away from our true calling or just that bigger purpose that we might have. He says that our ability to focus so that we can do deep work is not a habit, but it's a skill that must be trained. So we need to train ourselves to be more mindful. We need to train ourselves to be more focused. He says deep work and mindfulness share a commitment to being intentional with your intention. In an interview he did with Leah Ryder on the Trello blog, he said, and here's a little quote that goes on for a couple of paragraphs, but I'm going to read it to you. Technology certainly plays a role in making deep work more difficult. The biggest impact is probably the smartphone. For the first time in human history, it's now possible to offer yourself distraction at the slightest hint of boredom in any circumstance. From standing in line to waiting for a date to return from the bathroom at a restaurant to stopping at a traffic light. Banishing boredom sounds good, but the problem is that it builds a Pavlovian connection in your brain that boredom means distraction. Once you have this connection formed, it can be incredibly difficult to think deeply when the time comes because deep work by definition is boring. And then in parentheses, he says it focuses on one thing, not novel stimuli, which your brain would identify or label as boring. And your brain has been trained not to tolerate such boredom. I think this is really interesting. We have trained our brain not to tolerate boredom. We've trained our brains not to want boredom. And so that phone is now this reflex. We grab that phone so that we're not bored. Continuing on with what he said in his quote, the key to preparing for deep work, therefore, is to regularly inject boredom into your life. You don't have to throw out your phone, but on the other hand, don't take it with you everywhere. Put it aside for specific times when you don't use it and keep track of all the blocks in which you fail from this abstention using a scoreboard to keep you motivated. Now, I'm not saying that phones are all bad. This is me talking again, not the quote. 
I can't imagine running a business or raising kids without the use of my phone these days. But did you know that millennials, and I'm sure that there's statistics for the rest of us too, but millennials check their phones about 150 times a day. That is a lot of distraction that keeps us away from deep thought and important work that is rewarding. Text messages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of these things contribute to the release of dopamine. And we are always searching for that next dopamine hit. So for those of you who are my runners, you know that dopamine is what causes what we call the runner's high. And it's also a reason why we feel depressed if we get injured or if something causes us to miss our runs from day, for days on end. So dopamine is that feel-good chemical that our body creates. And it's that reward that we get from a good workout or from completing a big project that required lots of brain power. And our need for this feel-good chemical can also be why we cannot keep our hands out of the candy jar. The high that people get from using things like nicotine or drugs can also be one of the reasons that people become addicted because it boosts, it increases our dopamine. Dopamine levels affect things like our mood, sleep, memory, learning, and concentration. So when we reach for our phone or use drugs, or use anything that we are addicted to because addiction, those things that we are addicted to make us feel good in some way and that increase that causes a dopamine spike. Even when you're addicted to, let's say, your work or the money you're getting from work and it gives you that high, it's our body's attempt to self-medicate. So what's really happening is our body needs that other, another hit of dopamine. And dopamine exists because it's a feel-good chemical that is there to make sure we do the things we need to do to survive. So I also think it's interesting that sugar is something we reach for when we want that dopamine hit, but and it does give us a short-term dopamine boost, a short-term high, but ultimately sugar works against us because it depletes our dopamine. It provides that quick high, which is why we can't stay away from sugary foods but long-term, it doesn't work. And so we keep going back habitually over and over and over again, trying to get that, that high again. So if you're struggling to stay away, away from the sugar, that's one of the reasons that it's hard. It's not a lack of willpower. It is science, which is why I also talk so much about setting your environment up for success, getting rid of those things that are triggers, getting rid of those things that are temptations. And surrounding yourself in your environment with people and things that will help you be successful. So dopamine is clearly important for vital bodily functions. But there are ways we can also get that dopamine boost that are better than reaching for our phones or drugs or cigarettes or candy. You never, ever want to make light of mental health. So if you feel like your problem is bigger than this, if you feel depressed or you're doubting your self-worth or if you're having suicidal thoughts, you need to see a doctor who can help you choose vitamins or medications or antidepressants or even help you make better food choices. So I don't want to make light of this, but if you are just kind of starting to feel down or if you catch yourself always looking for that small feel-good spike, there are things that you can do like exercise, play with your dog meditate, do yoga, 
meet a friend to go for a walk and some great conversation. I love, we've been doing this thing on Fridays where a group of us women meet and just walk and talk. And we bundle up in our coats on the days that have been cold, but it's just a great mental health morning because we also crave connection. And so getting around people and exercising kind of hits that dopamine on two fronts and helps us boost our moods that way also. We are not meant to have a constant dopamine buzz though. We're not meant to be on a constant high. We also need to get better at being bored and being still and taking time to just be. So I want to circle back to the thoughts I shared at the beginning of this episode. I want to encourage you to slow down, to be intentional, to take time to look around you and to show up in the world and for the people that you care about. I was thinking about that promise that I made to myself all those years ago about being present and not just going through the the motions in the fall, about being sure that I wanted to take time to notice when the leaves changed. I was thinking about this this morning as I went through the drive-thru at Starbucks. What I really wanted was to get my daughter to school and to get back home so that I could record this podcast for you. Because I do, I, ha- I have some places I have to be in the next two weeks. I'm going to be running like a crazy person. So I just was really focused on my to-do list and wanted to get home to get started. I wasn't in the mood for small talk, but the barista at the window this morning was the same guy who has been working at the window since the weather turned cold. And I've gotten on my kick for a hot chai tea latte made with coconut milk. And I do this every morning now after I take my daughter to school. And I really love my hot chai tea. Anyway, so the guy asked me how my morning was and or how my weekend was actually. And I didn't really think that he was going to care too much about the minutia of my weekend. Those guys are moving fast in the morning. And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to get in a long story. But because we all crave connection, I thought maybe I should give him something real instead of the canned, my weekend was great. How was yours? And So I thought, well, okay, I'm going to try to say something fast that fits into that quick soundbite that all he has time for, that he only has time for, because I knew that my day and his day would be better if I took just a second to actually try to connect with him instead of just rattling off the standard blah, 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 blah that he hears from everyone, right? The stuff that you say just out of habit because you don't think anybody really cares. So I told him that I took a TRX class downtown and I didn't really go into the long discussion about how it was the TRX for boobies fundraiser that I helped to organize, which would have been a great story for a longer conversation. But, you know, I was trying to respect his time because he had a whole line behind us, but he was waiting for the person to hand him my drink. And he asked me how, what, what is TRX and how did you get into it? And so I told him a friend of mine took me to my first class and I was hooked because it was an exercise that's accessible to everyone because it's all based on body weight. I just added a few little sentences so that I wasn't saying something generic. And it was a pretty one-sided conversation. I didn't ask him about himself, which I certainly could have and probably should the next time. But think about how much more happy people would be if we took the time to connect, however briefly, to the people we run across. 
as I backed out of the driveway this morning to take my daughter to school, which was my stop before the Starbucks run, I was bummed because I had just pulled up the previous night's news on my DVR and the story they did for our TRX for Boobies event wasn't really what I hoped it would be. I woke up so excited this morning, guys, to see this new story. I said some great stuff about breast cancer and the need for research and how exercise could help with recovery and how I really thought that we need to put more money into research so that we can find a cure so that my girls and everybody's girls and future generations and men with breast cancer, so nobody has to worry about breast cancer anymore. I was so excited about some of the things I had said, and they didn't use a single clip of me or anything that I said. So I was super bombed and kind of focused on this as I was leaving my driveway, as I was pulling up to Starbucks. And even though it was awesome that we got any coverage at all, I was a little bit down. So as I drove my daughter to school, I had already been lecturing myself in my head, all of those positive things that I'm always telling all of you about, telling myself to be grateful that they covered the event and that they talked about what we were doing. And even if the story was, oh, 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 so brief, that they at least came and they covered it. So I was trying to give myself this positive self-talk. And then I also reminded myself that I couldn't let this one thing be the thing that threw my morning off and affected my mood for the rest of the day. Because sometimes when we start off our mood kind of grumpy or pouty, it just steamrolls. And then everything that happens to us seems like it's bigger and worse. And all of a sudden you're having a truly horrible day because you let that little thing that happened to you in the morning bother you. So I was lecturing myself, trying to pull myself out of that funk. And even though all of this was on my mind when I stopped at Starbucks this morning, I knew that he pulled me out of my funk with his questions. And I hope that by giving him a real interaction instead of a canned response, that I helped him keep his own energy up so that he could keep giving to the people who came through his line all morning. Because even though we all love our Starbucks, if you have a well-run coffee shop, you know that it is not just about the coffee because why would we wait in that long line for just coffee? So I've been all over the place this morning as I've recorded this podcast, but I did promise you last week that I would talk about the power of one minute. So I hope that you've been able to pull out some examples of how you can use just one minute at a time to make your life better. Looking up from the phone, delete an app that distracts you. Schedule some one-minute breaks that allow you to feel better, to connect more, to notice the world around you, and to be the best you that you can be each day. So I want to close out by giving you just a few more things that you can do in one minute's time. Exercise. I've been adding little videos on my Instagram feed at Power of Run that are one-minute exercise videos, things you can do at your desk, things you could do possibly in the line at a store. Work in one-minute bursts of exercise. Even one minute will make you feel better. If you're somewhere where you can, maybe you add in a little pump you up song. Music is something that can make you feel better and brighten your day also. Ask a coworker or a person in your mom's group or someone that you met at the gym who you just don't know very well 
to sit down and have coffee with you, make that connection with somebody. You could also use your journal or use your one minute to write in your journal or to get up off away from your desk and grab yourself another glass of water to fold those socks in your mismatched sock pile. Come on. I know you have the pile. We all have that pile, don't we? And if you don't, you need to send me your tips because I need to know what you're doing to manage that sock pile. You could use one minute to foam roll your calves, to reflect on a motivational quote, to read a page from an uplifting book, to meditate, to pray, to do a yoga pose. There are so many things that you can do in one minute. And I would love it if you would email me or post on one of my social media feeds and tell me what you are doing in that one minute. How are you using the power of one minute? I want to thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. I am Power of Run. And I will be launching a challenge based on this idea of the power of one minute. Also, my free boobies and boobies, haha, still stuck on my TRX for TRX for boobies promotion campaign that I did all last month. My free booties and burpees challenge starts on Thanksgiving Day. We did this last year and it was a powerful challenge because it helped us stay active and positive during the busy months, during the busy holiday season. And it helped to establish some behaviors that are helpful when planning and setting goals. So I'm not super big on New Year's resolutions because I think we can make positive changes and set goals any time of the year. It doesn't need to be a Monday. It doesn't need to be New Year's Day. It doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. It can be five o'clock at night. You can, you have the power to change your life at any darn time that you decide you're ready. But this was a great challenge last year. And I know that New Year's resolutions are a big thing and that the beginning of the year is another one of those times that we pause and reflect. So I did love, I do love my booties and burpees challenge because it helps with this process. So keep listening, keep following me on social media, and you will be the first to know when these programs start. But we are planning on a Thanksgiving launch for the booties and burpees challenge You don't have to be a hardcore athlete or exerciser. You can be someone who has never exercised ever. And this can be the launching pad for a great new year for you. So thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run. And you can find me at www crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next week. Tuesday.